Welcome to the Life Hacks for Entrepreneurs podcast, where we share practical life hacks, shortcuts, designed to shape your best life and business in the least amount of time. I'm your host, David Ubita. Life Hacks for Entrepreneurs starts right now. Hey, welcome back to the Life Hacks for Entrepreneurs podcast, where we share practical life hacks to shape your best life and business. I'm your host, David Ubita. Our next guest has traveled over 1 million miles throughout Latin America, serving poverty-stricken communities as a global field manager for Willow Creek Community Church. His name is Felix Nieves, and we'll dive into his story when we return. Felix Nieves, good to have you here. Thank you, sir. Good to be here. So the last time we had a chance to really just sit down and connect and, and catch up, we were sitting in a cafe in uh, Guatemala City. Do you remember what city that was? Uh, we were in Quetzaltenango. Say that three times really fast. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I almost want to say Gazultite. <laughs> yeah, we were in a small um, town right outside Quetzaltenango. Um, we were actually had a little bit of a free time that morning, right? Yeah, we were doing breakfast. That's right. That's right. And um, although we've known each other for many years, it was the first time I actually sat down, we sat down hmm. and dove into like like your journey, hmm. your, your story. And it's because of that story that I wanted us to kind of just recap again and share uh, some really key things that I learned uh, with our audience here on the podcast. And hmm. so... Uh, if you wouldn't mind, tell us a little bit about your background before we dive into what you're doing currently. Okay. Um, you were in banking. Tell us about that, that all that good stuff. Hmm. Yeah. So um, for those that don't know, Dave and I, we we grew up together, mm-hmm. right? And so we spent some of our um, formational years together. And so uh, I think my story is a little bit unique in the sense that our pathways didn't necessarily um, were directed to where we're at today. And so even my, my professional experience, I never thought I'd be in banking. Um, I don't know what I thought I was going to be doing, but I don't, it wasn't banking. So it was really unique. Um, I started working as a teller right uh, my last year of high school. Um, so I was around 17 years old. That opened the doors, had some pretty amazing people who uh, saw something in this you know young kid. And uh, they decided to do some mentoring. And I ended up spending the good first 15 years uh, just working in retail banking and working my way up until I became a branch manager uh, for a well-known institution here here in, in the Chicagoland area. And uh, then spent the last three years of my life where I transitioned my focus over to uh, commercial banking and private banking. Um, and ended up ha- having a really nice opportunity uh, to get some get to know uh, some people in downtown and uh, just opened up some opportunities for me that were pretty unique. But um, yeah, I loved the industry, um, you know, and I was always surprised 
just to see how uh, in my narrative God opened up some doors, you know, for this kid from the northwest side of the city. So here's this kid starting off as a branch manager, really with no direction, or a, a teller, I should say, with no direction, branch manager, and then you wound up in the executive ranks. I did. And I did. and tell us about that experience. What was that like considering, you know, here, yeah. here you are, a teller, yeah. and then all of a sudden you're sitting in this posh office. Yeah. Um, downtown Chicago, I believe it was, yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know, the the pathway is is all it's interesting because I remember um, there's 17 year old kid, uh, third day on the job, and the district manager walks up and says, "Hey, uh, where do you see yourself in the future?" And I um, said, pointed at the manager's office and says, "Oh, I see myself in there." So loudmouth kid, I really had no idea. Um, probably could use a little bit of mentoring and, and how to engage a, a high level. <laughs> so, so you're a little rough around the edges. A little rough around the edges. But apparently he it stuck it stuck with him. And uh, you know that was again going back to the point. It, it, it had some great mentors. Um, I found myself at the age of 20 as a result of that conversation, uh, being an assistant manager. Um, and at the age of 21, being the youngest branch manager um, within the city of Chicago for this particular organization. Mm. Um, again, really well known. They're, they're one of the larger institutions in, in the city. Um, again, I think there's a lot of grace that God gave me. Uh, and it was a lot of hard work. I mean, the reality is um, you got to do, you got to pay your dues. Yeah, for sure. You know, you got to pay your dues. Uh, there was a large level of commitment to say, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to change the narrative of my family. Uh, my family is not one that came from affluence. My family is of humble beginnings. Mm -hmm. um, one thing my father did model was a lot of hard work, mm. right? Um, and so we did. We did a lot of hard work. We put in a lot of long hours like, you know, a lot of people do. And then the payoff of that was people saw that faithfulness and that uh, the determination and that diligence, and it, it gave me an opportunity um, to just continue to grow. So spend a good decade as a branch manager um, with this organization. And then our family has a child. Um, and this is really, uh, we've been married 10 years already, mm. um, and my wife and I have our first, and it was some complications, and we lost the first child. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was a really difficult moment for our lives, but nine months later, we're expecting again. Oh, wow. And so around this time, um, I get a knock on the door, and I'm told um, there's an opportunity for me to manage one of our flagship offices, and uh, yeah, of course, beautiful assignment, I love this. Um, unfortunately, there were complications with the pregnancy again, mm. and um, we then end up having um, Abigail, who's our oldest, is born, and she needed a series of surgeries at birth. She spent a month in the pediatric intensive care unit, a month in the neonatal intensive care unit, so two months in the hospital. Oh, my goodness. Um, a series of surgeries and a whole year of going in and out, and so as a result of that, I took a year off work, and during that year, it was to focus on the family. When we get back, it's a little bit of faith now and going like, what am I going to do? I've been away for a year from the workplace. And again, a little bit of faith in God to say, okay, what is it that you're going to do? Because now we need to get back into this. And he opened the doors to go into this corporate uh, banking, this, this business banking area. It was new for me. I'll be very honest. It was very intimidating. Um, portfolio itself had a lot of um, high-profile individuals. Mm. At one point, one of my clients was the lieutenant governor and uh, well-known judges. Mm. And, 
you know, it was a situation where I was looking at where I had arrived and said, okay, how does this kid that was born <laughs> raised in the you know, city of Chicago yeah, yeah. Um, arrive here? You know, I came to the realization that um, there was two things. Number one was um, purposeful living, mm. right? One of the things was I, I so loved what we've attained, and we were living well. Um, you know, we've had nice vehicles in the driveway. We have a custom-made home. Um, I have a corner office in the city of Chicago. Um, interacting with, you know, state treasurer, just some amazing people. And um, I sit back, and I'm going, like, definitely this was a journey where there was a lot of grace. There was a lot of doors that were open, but it wasn't me. You do your part, but there's a lot of grace in that space. And I realized um, I haven't arrived. Mm. I haven't arrived. I asked myself the question, what's next? Uh, I was a vice president at the time, um, and I had to ask the question. And now I have Abigail, and I have Emily with my second daughter, um, who's 12 now. Um, and at that time, I'm just going like, okay, Lord, um, what's next? You know, And if we look at the ladder and the ways that you can continue to um, excel and move up, uh, it's through you know, uh, SVP or some type of district, you know, um, manager uh, role and I had a conversation and just saying you know I think I was made for more so this is the part of your story that really um, challenged me hmm. because he, let's put this into context here you just went through all of this I mean from starting off as a teller to managing some of the more high profile uh branches and then you're starting your family um you're doing well at work and yet you're having this conversation with our heavenly father mm. and you're like there's something missing mm -hmm. there's something more mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. how does that happen yeah you know i think that god um just he he creates us with a purpose and i think most of our life Part of our journey is trying to figure out what is that purpose, mm. right? Um, I think that's the beauty of the journey, right? Is this, For sure. You're, first of all, as you're exploring, it's like, God, and that's from the day we're born. Yes. Like, you realize, you know, we're, we're born with a purpose. You know, if we put it into our context uh, from a Christian perspective, there's a calling for your life. Mm -hmm. But in general, I think all of us, we we're, all of us have this purpose, this calling. And trying to figure out what that is, is, is interesting. The other thing is I also think that God uses those spaces to build into who you will become. Oh, that's powerful. Right. Absolutely. I mean, that, that, that there, there is a preparation that has to happen in order for you to exercise that purpose or to exercise that calling. So this time was all part of that preparation. I didn't know that at the time. Mm -hmm. you know, I just know that what I was made for wasn't what I have attained. Mm -hmm. And so there was more. And now becomes this journey of, okay, well, how do I figure this out? How do you explore that? It was a long journey because a lot of it, it was a lot of self-doubting. Going like, okay, oh yeah, I know you've called me for more, and I'll be honest with you, there was a tearful moment. You know, I would have many. I've had many. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> I know your story. It was like, yes, come yes. on, man. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> you know, interestingly enough, it was one of those things where um, I had just wrapped up with a client, and um, this client was a um, state official. And I remember um, just as he walked out, I'm just humbled and sitting here and going, you know, God, who am I mm. to be sitting in this chair, in this role? 
um, obviously there's a lot of favor and, and there was a sense of gratitude to know that you created me for more. Thank you for this. Yeah. Um, and there was that reflection. You created me for more. And then the hard part was the figuring out then what is that next step? Cause, um, it was probably a good three years. Um, I just find that amazing from this perspective. Most people, uh, when they have hit such, um, or have accomplished such things in their careers, I mean, that's, you know, those, the highest rungs on the ladder in baking, and yet you're still like, there is more. Like, like God was, was, you know, knocking on your door still saying, hey, there's something else. And so what happened? Like, what was, because the role that you have now, Tell us a little bit about that, hmm. and then tell us how this this kind of like struggle that you had, this epiphany that you had, has served you yeah. in this new role. Yeah, yeah, totally. So um, I have the privilege for, uh, to represent our church. So um, we are. I'm currently a global field manager for Willow Creek Community Church in the northwest suburbs of Chicago, and um, I work for a department. Uh, it's our. It's our. Uh, global ministry. And our focus primarily is to be able to accompany churches across the globe. And we identify churches that are doing um, transformational work within their communities. Hmm. And we see how we can then accompany them through resourcing them, whether it's financial resources or human resources, um, training, development. Um, and so there's different ways where we can accompany them. But what we're looking for is those organizations or those churches um, who are, in fact, looking to cause change and to instigate change in their communities. Most of them are responding to uh, lack of food sustainability, um, lack of clean water, um, human uh, exploitation, uh, human trafficking. Um, and so it is a unique role because in our, in our accompaniment, there is a level of business acumen that has to be accompanied with pastoral acumen mm. um, because we are, in essence, accompanying and shepherding pastors um, in this role. And so it was that pastoral acumen that was lacking. Mm. Uh, you know, the 18 years um, provided a great training for the business acumen. Sure. Uh, the pastoral acumen was where the struggle lied because now my professional development was all in the banking side. It was all about managing people and and. Um, you know, managing difficult situations and how do you manage conflict? And, mm -hmm. you know, so there are things that translate really well. Um, and so we started um, having this just prompting to say, I think you're getting drawn into ministry. Mm. And my question always like, why ministry? How does this correlate <laughs> to what you've been, right? And let's be honest, uh, ministry did not pay the salary that, you know, being in banking paid. Sure. And so there was a struggle there. And that struggle, like I said, it was about three years of just kind of going back through that. And I had somebody I actually ran into um, through my volunteer time um, into somebody here at Willow um, who was the pastor of the Spanish-speaking congregation, Hector Hermosillo. And uh, there was an invitation to join their staff team. And he said, you know, it's a pastor's role. And I said, hmm, uh, let's talk about that. Because... <laughs> I don't think that's where I need to be. Be like, hmm. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it was director of operations and communications, but it was pastor of operations and communications. And at the end of the conversation, I said, hey, you know what? 
I'd love to talk about that, but take the pastor role away, and I'd be more than happy to do the the operational side and all the communications pieces to that. So, like the whole, I don't know about you, but just like that whole pastoral type, um, I don't know. It carries the word carries depending on how you were raised or your experiences could be a you know a positive or negative. Completely, completely. You know, for me, what it was is the understanding that um, a pastor is somebody who is very influential in somebody's life. But it's not just from a, um, a stage presence. It's the fact that you're, guide, you're walking with people during difficult times and how you manage that could have long-lasting effects, positive or negative. And I'm like, Lord, I, I, I can't walk into that responsibility. That has eternal impact. Uh, and that was a lot of my own junk as well. I mean, there's some healthy respect to the role. Sure. But there's also some my own junk in my own personal life about ex- you know experiences that we've had in the past. Sure. And saying, hmm, um, maybe, may, and that's what was holding me back. And that's when Hector said, I think you have the wrong definition of what it is to be a pastor. It is a shepherd, and you are a shepherd, and you care for people, and you want to look for the best in people, and you want to motivate people and move people. So, um, yeah, we actually uh, decided to, after a year of volunteering with him full time, Talked to my wife and I said, hey, um, I think this is what God is calling me to do, but um, I don't want to accept the role. I'd love to volunteer and I'd love to do it for a year, 40 hours a week, which means we would have to make a whole bunch of changes at home to make this happen. And I definitely thought that was my way out because my wife would say, you must be crazy. (laughs) So you already had this kind of like worked out in your head. There's no way she's going to be on board with this. Completely, completely. (laughs) You know, to my surprise, um, she says, I know that this is where God wants you to be. Oh man. Wrong answer. Wrong answer. Yeah. Yeah, She's totally saying, we will make it happen. We'll figure it out. And, uh, and I was like, okay, Lord, this is not cool. This is not cool. But obviously, this is where you want. If you're working in her heart, and this has been such an easy conversation in that sense, then we're going to be obedient. And we're wow. going to work into that space. Powerful. You know, yeah. And I'm grateful for her. She's really, again, without her support, like we wouldn't have even been probably in this role today. Mm. Um, and so there's some power behind that obedience that she felt that this is, she knew, she saw it. No, so now you've traveled, uh, I think it was like over a million miles at this point, hmm. um, and you've been able to travel to how many countries throughout Latin America? Because you oversee all of Latin America, right? Yeah, so currently in my, my current role, I oversee um, the, our relationship in four countries. We have five partnerships within, within those four countries. Um, and then as Willow, we're involved in a fifth country in El Salvador. Um, and that is managed by a colleague of mine. But prior to that, um, so currently I'm working in um, Bolivia, Costa Rica, El Salvador, and the Dominican Republic. I'm sorry, Bolivia, Costa Rica, Guatemala, and the Dominican Republic, and one of our colleagues is overseeing the work in El Salvador. Um, Prior to that, I had an opportunity to uh, support our work in Malawi and Africa, uh, which was also just an, an amazing experience, but we recently made some changes, and my focus today is fully Latin America. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So I have to uh, acknowledge the fact uh, I remember we were recently chatting a bit, and, and one of the reasons why I wanted you on the show was you have an, an interesting uh, perspective on, on leadership. Mm-hmm. And I saw you firsthand how you handled specific situations in a third world country 
working with people of from all walks of life and you were just so consistent mm. you were just so even keel and uh, your ability to lead and coach to step in when you needed to uh, to step in or, or not to step in mm. how did how did that all happen how did this type of approach um, come to be mm. uh, what you know was there a training that you took mm. or, or, or you know, give us a little insight on that sure. whole leadership piece sure sure you know, I think that um, when it comes to leadership, a lot of it, um, my own personal set of values is that what I'm trying to do as a leader is I'm, I'm trying to call the greatness out in others, mm. right? Um, I, I remember early on um, when we started forming a team back in my banking days, came into a really difficult situation where um, we, a new assignment that I had taken on and when I was, I was actually interviewing for the role and, and, and the manager who was uh, trying to recruit me says, I'm gonna be very honest with you. We've got some messes to clean up. Um, we have high, high employee turnover. There is currently a lawsuit um, where the prior manager was sexually harassing the employee. The manager was a female and the employee was male. And, and, um, and we've got some issues with um, loss prevention and theft. Um, and so he wasn't really selling the position, you know, but I love the challenge. Yeah, how about it? Right? Um, there was something about entering into a space of brokenness and chaos and being able to find your north and be focused on that north and then try to bring peace in that environment, mm. right? Um, and quickly what I realized is that culture was so broken and people were not bought in and it's like well if you're not bought into this and you're not bought into the future of this then we're going to put together a team that is and so we started recruiting and we started kind of weeding out what some of the problematic issues were as well as some of the staff that just they weren't on board they were there for the wrong reasons and so we started clearing that off we started with a clean slate and we had a decision to make we need to bring on people um, to be a part of this new team and most organizations hired based on your experience and your proficiency. And I looked at my boss and I said, I want to do something a little bit radical. Um, I want to hire people outside of the industry that don't come with a preset idea of how things should be done. Mm. That means we have to train them from the ground up. The commitment I'm willing to make is I'm willing to invest the time needed to develop them and grow them to the point where they can be great at the task at hand, but you need to allow me to hire based on um, the person's um, ability to just learn their humbleness. Um, you know, I think that I, the example that I used is NASA was able to train monkeys to navigate ships into space. <laughs> we can definitely train people, you know, to, to do what we do. And, and, and I don't want to belittle the function, but the reality is that as long as they have the skill set and the aptitude to learn, yeah. We can teach everything else. And it was about identifying people that had the potential for greatness. And then being able to teach them the skill set to be good at the job that they were at, at the task at hand. And so that's served me really well. Um, when you look in a situation and you look at, at a leader um, that you're working with, um, he's a leader or she's a leader, right? They're called into that role for a place. And so as they're looking at managing challenges or just managing difficulties, the best thing that I can do is to help them focus and call out those greatness in them, mm. um, which is what's brought them this far. Yeah. 
And, um, and I think in, in our situation, we, all, I mean, we work with high caliber leaders. It makes my job a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, but even then you've got to be able to, it's almost like saying I work with, you know, Michael Jordan. Mm. How do I, yeah. you know what I'm saying? How yeah. do I make him better? Yeah. Even if that's necessary. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So what do you do in that case when you're working with rock stars? How do you still be that stand for their greatness when mm. they're already operating in a certain level of greatness? Sure. Doesn't mean all of their sure. greatness. Sure. But what do you do in that case? Sure. Sure. You know, in, in our situation in particular, we work with a lot. So again, you mentioned we shepherd shepherds, we shepherd pastors, right? And so you're encouraging leaders that are leading multiple people. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It is hard. Yeah. Um, I think the the one thing that always helps us is creating a buy-in to know we're all working towards the same thing. And I think the first thing that they need to believe is that I'm working for your best interest, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? Because the minute that I start saying, hey, we're going to work on this, and the one who benefits from this is me, um, you you don't really create consensus and buy-in and synergy. They don't trust you as a leader. Mm -hmm. They have to trust that the, the one person that you're looking out for is not just you. Right. Right, but you're looking out for them. You're looking out for the relationship. You're looking out for the people that they care for. Yeah, and that's been really helpful. And again, the context of the work that we're doing is that we are working with pastors, we are working with um, NGO leaders, um, and it's it's been it's been a great experience to tell. So, uh, as we wrap this uh, this conversation up, um, did you ever think that you would be traveling the world? Mm serving in the role that you serve and and, you know i've gone on one trip and i've seen the children i've seen some of the brokenness i've seen some of the poverty i've seen uh many of the smiles and and how you're you know they just welcome you and the teams and just the work that you're doing Mm. do you ever think Mm. that you'd be doing this yeah no the answer is no um to be quite honest um i had a, a young um college student ask me what What's the curriculum that I need to develop to do your role? And I'm like, I, I don't take my pathway because it was not traditional. Um, I definitely think that the work that we do is unique in the sense that um, there isn't a natural pathway for what we're doing. It's definitely, um, all of, everybody on our team, they possess a business acumen and a pastoral acumen. Mm-hmm. Um, and how they got that was so different. Right? Mm. Um, but there is something about the work that we do um, you mentioned it already, uh, to be able to see the impact directly in the lives of a lot of the children. You know, when we are addressing some of the challenges that we talk about when we're talking about addressing hunger or addressing the lack of clean water, um, it's not about making your life better. It's about allowing you to live. Mm. And so they're, they're, they're the impact and the type of work that the churches are doing and that we get to accompany them with is amazing and it's life-giving and it's purposeful like you what you get to walk away and saying thank you lord for allowing me to do this you know this is such a blessing um to be able to be used by you in such a unique way that all we can do is say thank you what would you this version of felix say to the vp version of felix that was thinking that maybe hey i've arrived or i've accomplished you know xyz Mm. what would this version of felix tell him yeah hold on for the ride yeah 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 you know here here's the one interesting thing um i am definitely somebody who um will always advocate for people 
who are growing into their careers, you know, save for your nest egg and, um, you know, strive to do better and strive for excellence and, you know, never say no to an opportunity. Make sure that you can consider it well um, when we're talking about professional success and so forth. Um, the one thing that, that it isn't for everybody is when you think about making a transition into a type of ministry role. Because maybe there's somebody who's like, I think God's calling me into ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it is hard. It's so rewarding. Mm-hmm. And I think what was holding me back at that time is not understanding the full journey. Um, because what was evident in front of me was all of the pain points. Right. And so if you can't look past the immediate pain, it's like it's like a good workout routine. Yeah, for sure. Right. If the immediate pain points are going to be your deterrent, you'll never reap the benefits of the full long term journey of what that routine can bring to your life and the health and the life that it gives you. Sure. Right. And I think that all of us, the young version of of me, um, that's what I was struggling with. I don't know that I'm willing to go into that space for all of the reasons that I mentioned, but there was also some practical reasons. And it's like, oh, I'm going to have to give up some square footage on the home front. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we're not going to have the same caliber of eagle. And that's okay. For me, what it was in that space is an adjustment in my values. Ooh. Because it wasn't that having that is bad. Right. I am grateful that I enjoyed all of that. Yeah. And I was able to learn that what I've accumulated was never for the intention of my own personal benefit. What I've accumulated was to be able to invest back into others, right? And so what impact can I have with what I've accumulated if I can share that and invest in others who may not have as much as me, mm. right? Uh, so there's nothing wrong with having a really, really nice car. Right. You know, nothing wrong with that at all. But for our family, we're like, we have a good car. It's still a nice car. It's just not as nice. Yeah, yeah. And we've been able to do other things with what it would have taken for us to invest into that that difference in the really really nice car, um, and again, that's just some of the learnings in our in our life, and uh, just being able to see the re- reaping the rewards from that has been beautiful. So it looks like your values have shifted from the standpoint of, hey, I'm just doing what I was taught, you know, I'm following this track, yeah. uh, I'm doing well, and then there's this side because you know when we started this conversation, you mentioned the phrase purposeful living. Mm. So I, I would say that you're really dialed into that right now, mm. purposeful living, mm. as opposed to maybe just you know, doing what you were doing and doing it very well and having doors open, et cetera. But then maybe there was that void or that, that, that missing piece, whereas now, um, you know, having a nice car, Okay, great. Yeah. I mean, as long as I'm not on foot patrol, right? Yeah. I mean, we're, I'm, I'm, <laughs> we're good, yeah, right? That's right, that's right, that's right, that's right, that's right. <laughs> You know, I think everybody. Um, it, I don't. I don't think that everybody gets to attain um, the point in their life where they're like, "Yep, this is exactly what I was made for." Um, and that's the, that's what I would love to avoid in the younger version of me. Like, don't miss out on that. Mm. Don't miss out on that. Um, and and take some intentionality to say. Uh, I, I'd like for my legacy to be more than just building my riches in my kingdom, right? Again, there's nothing wrong with that, but I think we all want more than that, mm. right? We'd like to be remembered for more. Um, I would like to know that when the, when my time here is done, 
um, I've been able to impact the life of someone else in mm-hmm. a positive way, mm-hmm. make them better. Um, mm-hmm. and, and how can I pour into that? How can I be a part of that? Even if it's one person. Um, and, and really that's the value I'm trying to instill in my children's life. Absolutely. So, yeah. Absolutely. Felix Nieves, thank you once again so much for taking time out of your hectic schedule. I know you were literally in an airport somewhere this morning, right? We were. We were. And, um... Dude, it's always good to hear from you and uh, to catch up. Thank you. Oh, Dave, thank you for the time and the invitation. Really appreciate you. Thank you for listening to the Life Hacks for Entrepreneurs podcast with your host, nationally featured author, speaker, and online marketing strategist, David Ubita. We'd love to hear from you. Visit our Facebook page right now and tell us about your favorite episode at Life Hacks for Entrepreneurs. And make sure to share this episode with someone else. This would also inspire. Until next time, continue to grind, grow, and give.